Hello, everybody, and welcome to Writer's Block Podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Havlin. Tonight's episode brought to you by books. Turns out you're supposed to read them. Who knew? My guest is Mike Royce, executive producer of Enlisted, Fridays at 9 on Fox. Enlisted is a show that I would describe as possibly one of the funniest shows on television that you possibly have not heard of, but you should watch it. Fridays at 9 on Fox is a good time to do that, or anytime, really, on your DVR, because it's good. And I'm telling you to watch it. I mean, do I have no pull with you guys at this point still? After all these episodes? Trust me! Mike and I met many moons ago on the shit end of the open mic stand-up circuit of the late 80s, and we reminisce at will about being routinely bumped by future comedy giants like Ray Romano and Louis C.K. and David Tell and other people like that, but not quite like that. Those are very unique people. Mike's resume is impressive and his mobility upward. He's gone from comedian to staff writer to executive producer to creator to showrunner. He's done it all and he's nice enough to stop by and tell us all about it, including the sort of unscripted way he developed a show from scratch with Ray Romano called Men of a Certain Age. Here's a quick recollection of the origin of that show with Mike playing all the parts. It was me and Ray just talking to each other literally about like, hey, let's meet because I about had being men of a certain age. Well, that's what it led to because yeah. we got together. Like Ray's like, let's let's write a movie. Let's like do something, you know. And he, he <laughs> yes, he, please. He, Rest he, of the interview, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love a good Ray Romano impression? Don't answer that. Listen, why waste time with more words when we've got so many words to listen to? This is episode thirty-five. My guest is Mike Royce. I'm J.R. Havlin. You're part of the writer's block now. Good choice. Three things that I shouldn't have said. Yeah, great, fantastic. <laughs> and they can never come out. No. I lied to you at the beginning. That's <laughs> about editing about... out the terrible things that you're very likely to say tonight. I am nothing if not a potty mouth and uh, a faux pas factory. Clearly, I mean anybody who says potty mouth is is a fucking potty mouth. <laughs> That's right. At least That's throw right. in that you're a fucking potty yeah. mouth. I like when people say fucking BS. That's some fucking BS. <laughs> like really, you clean up the last one instead of the. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it. It's so funny. You know who does Why that? did you do that? I, Raymond Romano will do that. <laughs> he'll say, he'll, 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 I don't know. I think he's like correcting himself in the middle of it. He'll say like, man, I got fucked right in the A. Like, <laughs> what, what do you, why would you? Oh, but for some reason I say that as well, but it just, uh, because it's a, it's a punchier comedic in a way. Yeah. 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 Uh, maybe that's uh, uh, what, what it is. But I also enjoy F, F and, you know, I get F'd in the A. F you. Yeah. F you right in the A. Yeah. Yeah, but for some reason I find that extremely amusing. It's it, it, it the the way that you have to censor yourself then becomes a funny way to say it in in and of its own right. Yeah, that's right. You know. well, I'm not sure. I don't. Yeah, that I, I may have missed what you said there. <laughs> I'm gonna say he's got eight. I don't want to put. He's got five screens up <clears throat> right now. He's playing uh, my fruit. Whatever I've got that a cough is. that I that is gonna probably plague me right now. Oh, that's all right. I'm usually though. Actually, that's usually my thing. Is coughing? Yes. And by my, you mean Mike Royce. Mike Royce. My yes. guest. Welcome. Thanks so much, man. I'm it's glad you pleasure. made it here to yes. not Glendale. It's <laughs> Yes, we are deep in the bowels of some kind of 
clearly illegal operation. We're on the we're on the the uh, the the highly uh, um, uh, contested border of Los Angeles. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and GPS systems are fighting with each oh, other. Oh yeah, there's 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 bombs going off because, all over the place. You know, you gave me the right directions. Uh huh. It said exactly, but the GPS says it's Los Angeles. The yeah. highway signs say it's it's uh, Glendale. Yeah. So you right. were, you gave me all the right. Things. That's what I thought. Yeah, it was all completely right. But I have no idea. All I know it is it is Elm Street. Yeah. Which uh, uh, I was happy to see actually existed. <laughs> yeah. You know, because this is undoubtedly the same street. Yeah. And my guess is that Johnny Depp is walking around out there somewhere. So <laughs> we should probably go check that out and come back. We'll be right back. We'll be right back after this search for Johnny Depp on Elm Street. <laughs> You know, I'm sure I would imagine. I'm surprised that's not on one of the like the searches, the home kind of things. Like He's, uh, we're here on Elm Street, which is a street that is named the same as the street that was in a movie that Johnny Depp was in. Wow, this is like the shittiest tour ever. I can't believe you pe- you can even afford this bus that's to take the, us around uh, in. You know, that's the Glendale. That's the headline. Yeah, right. Actually, I enjoy the. Uh, well, no, we won't get into it. Um, Mike, uh, Royce, uh, the executive, uh, uh, welcome to writer's block. First of all, thank you. Um, uh, I've been chasing you down for a long time now. This has been a long courtship. It sounds so flattering as yeah. if, as if anybody, I'm going to bring any listeners to this, yeah. but yeah, so for you. some reason. And I, I think I can't help but take it personally, but you seem to always be busy <laughs> in the one and a half hour window that I give you. That's when right. I come out of here. It's, so, you know, a writer's life is, uh, nothing if not bananas. Mm-hmm. No, I take that back. Oof, yeah. Please, please edit that out. <laughs> At the very least, a beep. I'll put in there. I'll put in there like something like I'll just put in bananas yeah. instead. Mike, by the way, uh, executive producer of uh, Enlisted on Fox Friday nights at nine, which is yes. a good show. Thank I'm you. not going to sugarcoat this. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> That's... I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to look you in the eye and tell you a lie right. and just and and, you know, kiss your ass. That's no this, need show that you're working on yes is a good show (laughs) it's kind of a there i didn't want to have to say this i didn't want to confront you like this it's making us both uncomfortable yeah (laughs) a bit to praise or say something is good i understand yeah thank you i mean kevin beagle created it and um i don't know how to say this without it coming out the wrong way but uh, it's the best thing ever in the world it's better than every other show no i say that because um I have a deal with 20th Century Fox, and basically I got done with, I was running a different show last year that was very quickly uh, canceled. And um, that was a show that I wasn't around for the pilot for. Is that the pen? 1600 pen, yeah. yeah. And we did a pretty good job with it, I think. And um, it was just a different- With Mr. Josh Gad, very, very talented guy. Amazing, so funny, the whole cast. He's Olaf in Frozen. He is blowing- fuck up right now yeah he's uh, um well i you know i went to so. i went to go see uh, uh book of mormon after oh, yeah. however long we my wife and i got tickets for you know six months in advance right, because right. those were the only decent seats at all and that's the night that josh isn't there oh and i was like what the fuck <laughs> and i had only met him a couple of times so I, I emailed him and i said like dude we went and you weren't there i felt so bad i really wanted to see you do this anyway congratulations on being in that show it's an amazing show and and he got back to me with an email that I was hoping he would, but I was hoping I wasn't like you know right. fishing for it too much. Which is, hey, if you want to come back, I can set you up with some producer seats. It's like, okay, oh, that'd be great. You know, just give me some dates. I gave him some dates. Never heard from him again. So, <laughs> Gad, you just made the fucking list. 
Uh, listen, you don't want to be on the podcast shit list, Josh. No, Gatt. not the you writer's block. Not the writer's block shit list, which I have to start. It just started. There's number. There's oh 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 one is Josh Gad. Josh Gad. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's on the something pod, to that. On the writer's block podcast, you're shit atop list. the shit list. Yeah, Josh Gad. Uh, oh, he was he was fantastic. Everybody there was fantastic. It was just it was the first time I had ever run a show that I wasn't around for the pilot. You know. Yeah. So right. I yeah. Came you talked on, about that, right? And it was a lot of fun. It was great. Um, but when we got to the end of it. And kind of, you know, unfortunately, um, even though I think we did a pretty good job with it, it just was over before it started in terms of the ratings and how they screwed up the schedule. Did the Jenna Elfman in there? Yes. Yeah. The sweetest human being ever. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, Bill, was it? Bill Pullman. Pullman, well, I yeah. should, Also the sweetest human being ever. Yeah. Well, come on now. Wait. <laughs> no, they're just two impossibly nice people. They really That's are. That's right. And uh, yeah, Bill's like a sort of funny old... I don't want to say old, but he's an old hippie in that he's not an 18-year-old hippie anymore. But like, right. there's a picture. He, he has an orchard, and there's a, there's a picture of him on, like, Fruit Magazine with, like, a basket and, like, just, you know, picking, lovingly picking some kind of pear. And he's oh, going. that Fruit Magazine. I get a yeah. different one. <laughs> <clears throat> I get a different. I'm sure, like, I've never seen yeah. him on the covers. There's so a lot of copyright. Which month? Problems. <laughs> what was it? It was Fruit. What was the magazine? I can't remember, but let's stick with Fruit Magazine. Fruit Basket Magazine. <laughs> like still, it's, it's not. You're not, not helping yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so nice guy, hippie. Nice actually, guy, owns hippie. an orchard. Uh, owns an orchard and can go get expound about fruit like you've uh, and and just you know farming as long as you. I mean, you can't believe it that the guy who. So as long as you want. So like forty five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He can longer than you want. He's a renaissance man is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he really, he really is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really that's is. pretty much. We jumped ahead a little bit. Right. I, I want to I wanted just Let's pull go, back. Go yeah, back. Let, let, pull we'll, back we'll talk. We'll talk more. Definitely talk more about Enlisted and uh, um, and and about your your road to that. Uh, but let's start back to we you and I met in New York City doing stand up. Yes. Uh, we were both involved in in the in what I is. Mean, I mean, what I think can be considered the gold, one of the golden ages of stand-up. I feel like we were the tail end of the golden age. Yeah, we were, <laughs> we were, but we got to, we got to like sit there and yeah. get bumped by yes, the guys who created right. the golden age. Yes, right. Yeah, we got we got our eleven fifteen at the cellar. Yeah, became a one forty five because the golden because age walked through the gold, door. Yes, that's exactly right. I always tell people that basically I got to play every club once when it was full. And yeah. then things went in the toilet for about five years. Yeah, right, right. Almost ten years, really. Because it was like Raymond and Louie and and, yes. and and guys that you end up work both guys you end up working with, and Attell, Attell yeah. always being the king. Attell, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, me, me and Dave Attell <clears throat> started out literally together. I mean, we were doing open mics at the exact same time, uh-huh. and we used to have day jobs that were three like three blocks away from each other. He I can't was, just even come close to imagining David telling a day was, job of any he was kind. The receptionist for the Discovery Channel. <laughs> if I, I, I'm almost positive I have that right. He was the receptionist or, or some kind of temp, and I'm pretty pretty sure he was a receptionist. But did did, did whoever hire him was there some sort of? Did, were they trying to bring down the Discovery Channel <laughs> yeah. Discovery from the Channel. inside? What the fuck do you want? <laughs> I have a very distinct memory. He. And I and Dave Juskow. Hold on, if you know yeah. Him. Oh, do if I know Dave Juskow. Yeah, I, yeah. I, of course I, I do. Yeah. I fit, kind of assume everybody knows Dave Juskow. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm never sure. So Dave Juskow and I went to college together. Yeah. Dave and was, Danny, no. Yes, and Danny yeah, Vermont. Danny, yes. Danny Devito, not Danny Vermont. Not, yes. So Dave and Dave and I would have lunch. This is in the late '80s, 
Um, every day, I was working at Citibank as a temp. He was working at Discovery Channel. David was working at Chemical Bank. We would go over to Chemical Bank cafeteria because that was the best employee cafeteria. Yeah. And just bitch about stand-up. You know, Dave wasn't really, Dave Jessica wasn't really doing it. Dave Attell was the comics comic from the beginning. Oh, yeah. He and, was the king of the open mics when I got started. Like, but, and then it just, he just kept being the king got, of every next stage. Yes. And you, and you got started, I think, a little after me. Maybe yeah, I was, a, so. I was 80, the end of 88. Okay, yeah. I, so uh, relatively the same time. Okay. But Dave, I remember in 87, let's say, he, he was a comics comic in that, and open mics, he would bomb, I mean bomb, like epic bombs, because he would take, tell a couple, couple jokes, they would bomb, he would immediately start shitting on himself, but that wasn't really the thing that was getting some of the comics laughing, but like any actual audience was just like, this guy sucks. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was literally making the comics laugh in the back of the room, but not to anybody's benefit where he wasn't passing any place. And he was, as Dave is every single day of his life, suicidal. You know, yeah. <laughs> he was just despondent always. And um, <laughs> I think I can lay claim to saying I knew David Tell before he smoked also, by the way. Which wow. Is a, I didn't a, know there was amazing. such a time. I yeah. figured he came out with one in his mouth. I might be making that up and I might be just that might yeah. be apocryphal, but I'm pretty sure. So I remember very, very clearly, I, I was actually starting to get a little traction, and Dave still hadn't. And, you know, I remember having lunch and going, you know what, I'm going to tell this guy to give up smoking. Because it's the only, like, I'm his friend, he's making himself miserable, and I just don't think it's going to happen for him. No, it's great judgment, <laughs> great judgment. And it's that judgment that got Mike Royce... To the position of executive producer of Enlisted That's right. on Fox. Let me just nine. say I had the good sense not to have that talk. And it only came out of my compassion for his feelings, not for his comedic talent. Which yeah, is right. Oh, you would have crushed No them. dispute. And then, well, actually, then immediately after that, he started to really rise. And I remember very distinctly sitting in the comedy cellar when my hero at that time, Ray Romano. Yeah. Uh, now that we're friends, he's not my hero. Fuck him. No, <laughs> but the, but this is before you even knew him at all, right? This was just now. He's a, here's comes a, a you know a, a real yeah. Good at the time comic. that at the time that Attell was kind of the king of that level, Ray was the king. Yeah, of at the next New York City of yes. like yeah. So this is like I don't know, maybe it's 1990 or something like that. I remember I had just started working the comics. I was really just not you know barely getting any spots. Ray comes in, sets himself up with food. He's like, you know, I want to watch this guy who's coming in. Who's that? Dave Attell. And like suddenly the guy who was a giant headliner wanted to watch my friend oh, who fuck. and Dave was started moving up the charts. And yeah, was right. Like, you know, I was uh, obviously I was very happy for him. Yeah, but you <laughs> didn't like, seem to make him any Why happier, don't you want to see me like this? Have yeah, you seen me? Do you want to see my act? Yes. Not really. That, no, you can't help it. I'm, just, I'm pretty good. Listen, I know you're going on next, but I just ordered some hummus. So I really <laughs> it's not yeah. me. It's the hummus. I got to go. Ray always had a soft spot for David Tell and still does. Yeah. You know, Dave was kind of. The guy doing all the material, Ray just could never. I mean, it just wasn't his character, obviously. I rem I remember. Um, I was recalling a night when you and I. I, I rarely worked outside of the city, but there was one night when I did, and I was with you and somebody else who I think was bigger than us. I don't think it was Ray, but it was. Um, and and I just can't put it together where we were, mm. who we were with. I know we we went to a diner at one point. It was like my yeah. That sounds Do you right. recall this happening? I, I remember. I'm, I made a pretty big impact on people back then, <laughs> so I'm not. I, I'm surprised this is hard for you to dredge I up. I can't picture this particular gig because it's it's there's there's one that I remember with when Jim Gaffigan opened for me and Danny Vermont 
It was with Danny. It would have been with Danny. Yeah, it was okay, like maybe. you, me, and Danny just driving around Jersey after right. some shitty gig, probably yes. thing. That was that. There's so many nights like that that I. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you were that guy. Yeah. No, it's just like every night that you left the city was the same kind so of experience just, where it's like, oh my god, where am I and why am why I here am I, and how what, quickly can I get home and why didn't they tell the people they were having comedy here? Yeah. That and was usually the problem. I need to figure out a way to t- tell David Tell there's just nothing in this for him. <laughs> I have, by the, by the way, I have a bookend to that story. Another career I um, almost a, crushed. Well, in a grandiose way, I could think that I would be crushing it. But um, there was a young man. I won't make this too long. And but that young man's name that's was Roy I'm, Cohn. I have to. <laughs> I don't know. That's it's yeah. from a movie, yeah. but I'm not sure which one. Blockheads, like let me know. I'm that would have been great if I could remember. go back in time and talk Roy yeah, Cohn on some yeah, stuff. Yes. So anyway, go ahead. I apologize. Um, that's I was, how this is going to end, though. Yes. Okay, good. I want the, good. and that young man's name was. Yes, that's, that's where I'm headed towards. Yeah, let's get to um, that. I was auditioning in D.C. at a club. Uh, it was like a Tuesday. I was visiting my brother. I said, can I come by? They said, yeah, come on by. I come by. I bring my brother and a couple friends. They're the entire audience. So they make me sit through <laughs> Classic. three hours of all their people before I can audition because that's the whole audience. So, you know, the classic, you know, bait and switch. One of those gentlemen... Uh, one of their people got up, killed this young young dude. Mm-hmm. Comes up, um, comes up to me afterwards. Uh, now I'm working in New York City. I'm like I'm doing pretty well actually. He comes up, sets up, you know, advice. How's it go? Man, I want to I want to move there, and uh, and I'm uh, again just looking out for people's feelings. I've now sat at the comedy store and seen a million road comics come in and be like, Hey, can I get on? And be like, I asked Manny Dorman. Oh, he and he won't listen to you. He's not here, and I have no power. And, uh, and them coming in and two weeks later being like, I can't get spots. What's going on? I can't get, you know, yeah, because that's the way it works here. <laughs> you right. have to hang out forever. Um, so I was telling him, well, you know, do you want to like split your time? You might not want to move right away. You might want to just come out a couple weeks and try to get some spots and kind of see, you know, tip your toe in a little bit. You, you know, it seems like you got a good thing going here. Yeah, 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 I'm going to move. He moves out like two months later uh, and comes into the comedy cellar, sits down. The first time I see him, I moved out here, man. Great. He goes, I just got three TV spots. I'll see you later. Dave Chappelle. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you were in DC and he's like 15 years old. He was, he was I think he was 17. Yeah. By the yeah. way, you want to you tell that again so that you can say, and that young man's name Sorry. was? And that young man's name was Dave Chappelle. And that young man changed his name. to Roy Cohn. No, that doesn't make, I'm sorry. No, yeah, well, you should, we should have stopped while we were behind. <laughs> Uh, I'm with, uh, I'm with Mike Royce, executive producer of Enlisted on Fox Fridays at nine. I'm J.R. Hamlin. This is the Writer's Block. We'll be right back. If you're still wondering what Mike actually said at the top of the podcast instead of bananas, just guess. Have fun with it. It's like a Writer's Block Mad Lib. And tweet your guesses to at Writer's Block Pod. And if you want, you can throw in at J.R. Havlin and at Mike Royce. We'll let you know if you're right. Maybe. Next, I talk with Mike about getting hired at Everybody Loves Raymond and writing special material for Ray when he hosted Saturday Night Live, which Mike calls one of the best experiences of his life. That's all coming up in three, two, holds up finger. All right, I'm back with uh, Mike Royce. How are you, Mike? Um, <laughs> excellent. It's <laughs> a very heartfelt question, wasn't it? I'm not even looking at you. Well, it's it's the switching between guy I've known for 20 years and DJ that I have to, you know what I mean? Like, oh, oh right, okay, yeah. No, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, hey, good, I'm good. here with Mike Rose, everybody. Really great old friend of mine. 
so nice to have you. And you imagine if I just did the whole thing like that, and you'd be like, "Wait, you didn't dis- We didn't discuss how I, this was." I didn't know you played a character. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike Royce uh, talking about doing stand up back in uh, back in the day, and uh, how that was the route. That was the thing about stand up. There wasn't so much, right. you know. There was the improv thing coming out of Chicago and all that stuff. Um, there was a little bit going on in New York, but that was paled in comparison to like, because that was also keep in mind when Seinfeld came out. Yes. So, yes. so you, if, so they were just madly in search of the next comic. Ray right. happened to be that guy. Yeah. But for, I mean, for Ray, of course, it still took a long time. Like Ray was always the guy that they overlooked because he was too ethnic. He was too, you know, regional or whatever. I mean, he didn't get that show till he was in his late 30s, mid 30s, you know, and he was the guy in New York City for 10, 15 years before that. Yeah. So to me, what Ray's the lesson with Ray always is, is he he um, was fortunate not to get picked too soon, which is what happens with a lot of people. Yeah. Too green. Yeah. And nowadays it's. And there was a lot of that going on. I mean, during that time, there was just spaghetti against the wall with comics. We got to find. And they were literally kind of looking for the next Seinfeld kind of thing. And the only ones that ever, uh, I'm sure there's somebody who can correct me on this, but the only ones who ever lasted were comics who had been around a long time before it happened. You know, Alan DeGeneres and Seinfeld and Ray and, you know. And even Ray's, even the whole story of that, which, which, by the way, uh, um, you know, now you were hired by Phil Rosenthal. Yeah, I, both of them, but yeah. 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 Well, you're, you knew Ray. You're already friends with him. Right. So, I mean, that didn't hurt. But, but Phil right. was running the show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, and Phil is uh, episode 12 of the Writer's Block. And go back, Blockheads, and listen to that. It's a, it's a great episode. He's an amazing guy who yeah. really knows the business and has a shitload of really interesting, insightful things to say. So that, that's, that's something you want to listen to. But uh, um, you came off a of stand-up. And, uh, well, you were doing it, you're doing well, you're doing some road gigs, you're doing a lot of warm up gigs. Yes, that let um, me stay in New York, which yeah, is a, a great thing. Yeah, so, uh, <clears throat> and those kind of vary how those go, but I don't want to get too much into warm up gigs. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> they can be hell. Yes. Um, and sometimes they can be fun. Yes. Uh, but then in 99, you end up getting the job on Raymond. Can you just talk a little bit about, uh, how, how you got that? Obviously, now at this point, you're friends with Ray from stand up. Right. Uh, but does he know you as a writer, as a guy that can come and work on his show on his sitcom? What's yeah, the deal? It, it was kind of interesting. Cause I mean, Ray and I were friends, you know, it wasn't like we were best friends, but obviously we we're just friends from the comedy world and, right. and knew each other and liked each other and hung out. And, um, and he had, the show had been on a couple of years already and he was, he was writing a book and he was also going on tour and it was between like the second and third seasons of Raymond or something. So he was kind of having some of the people he knew from the, you know, from, from the old days uh, before he was famous open for him on the tour. So he hired me for a couple weekends, you know, and that was great. Um, he showed as we're traveling around, he was showing me pages in this book and he felt like he needed a little more help with it. He had somebody writing it with him, but he wanted to get somebody to, to just contribute a little bit more. And he said, you know, if you want to fax what me book stuff, was he writing? He wrote a book, you know, the, the kind it's of, about my life kind of thing. The kind of basic, let me turn all my stand up into a book. Yeah. Right. And the thing about Ray is he's, he's obsessive enough that he didn't want it to suck. He knew that you could pretty much just spit out all the stand up into a book and just make it kind of prose and whatever. And it would kind of be shitty and people would buy it, but he really wanted to make it into like a book of essays, mm-hmm. you know, using his stand up as inspiration, but 
but really sort of have a craftsmanship to it. So, and also he needed more material. It wasn't going to fill a whole book. Even when we got done, we were like, oh, can we widen the spacing a little bit? You know, and he, right. But he asked you to help him with this. <laughs> yeah. He, he liked the, we were just talking about it and I started, you know, one thing was as, as I was an MC for so long. Right. So I knew everybody's act like back and forth and right. his, especially. Yeah. I, everybody in New York probably knew his act. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so I would remember little nuances that even he didn't remember. And I'm like, why don't you say this? And he was like, I don't even use that line. I don't know. No, it was funny. It'll be funny in the book. And, you know, and then I would, um, he asked me to fax some stuff and I started contributing just now writing like new material for the book. Um, and he just, he liked it so much essentially that that happened for a few months. And then he finally just flew me out and we locked ourselves in his office and I just wrote the book with him basically, uh, you know. Uh, but he was not worried. Was he working at the show? Did he have the show already? He had the show. Okay. This was, you know, on the hiatus in the show. So sort okay. of like between April and August and, and basically when July did the show August, start? The uh, 96. Okay. And this was like 98. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The summer of 98 basically. Um, so, so yeah, it just kind of morphed into this thing where suddenly I'm at the Raymond offices every day while the writers are in there. Ray's not Ray's Ray's in there sometimes, but he's back and forth writing the book with me in the writer's room sometimes. Um, and I got to know them a little bit. Um, that was a, and, and, and you met came, Phil. I met Phil. You know, that, that was a big contributor. Um, I think what also helped was Ray came out to New, to New York in January in 99 to do Saturday Night Live. And I wrote, he was asking me, can you know, we, I want to bring some sketches. So if you can write a sketch. Oh, yeah. Phil told me about this. It was, it was one of the best experiences of my whole life because I wrote a sketch. Um, and you know everybody wrote sketches. I mean, Phil wrote a sketch. We we brought three sketches. Two of them ended up getting on. Yeah, right. And uh, I think I don't even know if Phil remembers it this way, but basically I felt good because it's one thing to sit in a room and you're writing a book with a guy, but the guy stand up is still it's not really writing a script or anything. I felt like since I was working with Phil on on the Saturday Night Live week, he could see, okay, it's not just Ray's friend. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, not just right, some guy. right, right, right. I think he felt okay about that anyway, but I felt like I was proving myself. The sketch ended up doing very well. Like whether or not he felt that you kind of felt, I felt more secure. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, you know, it's yeah, it's my own insecurities. I sure, mean, yeah, but I've been a but you, you may not time. have been off. I mean, that's it makes sense. It's like you know, if he, he you're just you're just a guy, an old friend who's helping him with this thing, but yeah, but and, now and you're actually showing him that oh yeah. no, I, this I can do this. Stuff. I can do this. Yes. Um, what was the sketch real quick? Do you remember? It was, yeah, it was a sports center sketch, which, um, actually has gotten some, I mean, like Rolling Stone just put it, they did a top 50 sketches of oh, yeah? five and it made it on the list, which was, you know, crazy tied uh, for 48, <laughs> 50 bumped 49 right out of the top picture. 50 Ray Romano sketches. And it was 51. <laughs> um, no, it was, it was, it was one of those sketches that I couldn't, I probably couldn't have written. It, it's an idea that probably everyone was kicking themselves for not thinking of, and it just somehow came to me. And I mean, you know, with Adam McKay and Ray and everybody there punched it up so well. And it was, right. so it was like not by a solo effort by any stretch of the imagination, but, but it was, a, you know, sports center where uh, the guy comes on and just tries to do the lingo, tries to have a lot of ca like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And he can't do it. And it's just full of nonsense. Um, so, Ray, so it was, uh, uh, boom goes a dynamite before boom goes was, a dynamite. Yes. Yes. He, I wrote this, you know, he, his catchphrase was sweet, sassy, molassy, and which is not, but the, which is just nonsense. 
And that he just kept going back to it and then, you know, eventually gets kicked off the show. The greatest, <laughs> probably the greatest moment of my professional career, honestly. Up to that point or uh, at all, ever. It's definitely just, in the yeah, top sure. of anything. Just top 50. Right. <laughs> Where then we go to, uh, I open for him again later after that at some gig or whatever. I think I, if I remember, we're in New York, Pennsylvania, walk down the street. He's famous. He's Ray Romano. This bunch of like teenagers come up to him. Uh, you know, people are coming up all the time. I'm just walking down the street with him because we're going to a restaurant or something. A bunch of kids come up to him and go, sweet sassy molassy. Oh, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> I win, Ray. I win. That's I'm great. Like, That's what they know him for. Yeah. That's fantastic. It. So from that, Phil knows you now, and yeah. um, you still have to submit to the show. You're offered a job. What happens? They had some openings, and then they, you know, Ray and Phil both, you know, Ray wanted to hire me. Phil was all for it. You know, I gave him a spec, but uh, I had written like a Frasier, so yeah, I right. think just to make sure I knew what, what yeah. I was doing a little bit. Um, and boom. And yeah. And I was a staff writer, and honestly, the first year was really hard, um, just in terms of comic to stand, uh, to writer. The, 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 the main experience is like, you know, the comic, you're the captain of the ship and you, you know what you're going to say and you know what you want to say and the audience. And, and, you know, once you get successful at stand up, the, you bomb sometimes, you never stop bombing. It yeah, always right. happens, but you have a consistent and you know how to rate. deal with it. Too. Yes. Yeah, better. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's a much more consistent being used to just like everyone laughing at mm -hmm. everything you say. And then once in a while you bomb, that's, that was, you know, so then you're in a room and you throw out an idea and people look at you like you're an asshole. Right. And then you still sit there and then the, the day continues. Yeah. You have you to get used to being idea. ignored, ignored and shit on. And, and, you know, the whole group dynamic of people just insulting each other and having fun. And obviously you're new. So there's inside jokes. You're still the new kid at school. Right. <clears throat> and my first, I wrote one script with Ray and, and Tom Caltabiano. And that was, that turned oh, yeah, out. Tom. Yeah, yeah. Tom. Um, that, that turned out really well. The script I wrote by myself did not, it just wasn't one of our best episodes, you know, and it was fine because it was Raymond. And but they, by you your, know. when you say by yourself, did you, uh, you know, um, the one that had my name on it, the one that had your name <laughs> on it, but I, but you were nominated for an Emmy. That was a couple years later. Oh, okay. And, and that's <clears throat> basically just to make a long story short, the first year, um, you know, it, it was it was fine. I was doing a fine job, but I was, I was really insecure. But it's typical of like, I, I think what you're talking about here is that you, just never had even remotely a similar experience. No, to this. so you no, really got thrown no. into the middle of it, and you didn't know. And and, and I was, a, and the yeah. idea of working with the group as opposed to like a lone it took ranger, some getting used to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you're running jokes by people, and even the the worst ones of those are the ones that you think are funny, yeah, but don't fly, yeah. And yeah. then, and then the you know, how soon do I repitch that, <laughs> or do I at all? You well, know. And the, the, and the Raymond room also is it, it was it was actually a learning experience in terms of all they talked about was story. So they would be talking about, well, it wasn't like just start pitching jokes. It was like, well, how's like Deborah needs a joke like this? Like it says something because she's feeling this way. And then she she, of course, would get mad at her because they have this history. And and, and it was all so at first it was just it was honestly over my head. <laughs> yeah, just, right. I couldn't figure out how, how am I even getting in there? I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be saying right now. And, you know, Lou Schneider's talking his fucking ass off. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, kidding, all these Lou. names. Yeah. Fun. yeah. No, I mean, it was, it Hi, was a really amazing room, uh, you know, run by Phil that they just had their priorities straight, but it was a learning experience the first year, a lot. The focus being on story and the jokes will come kind of thing. Yes. But, but also when the jokes do come, 
we need a specific joke to fill a specific gap and and further a specific goal. Yeah. I mean, so there was kind of like this. It's and an that ad, weird, it makes it an added difficulty to writing a joke for yes, sure. Yes, because it's not even like it's separated. Because it's still it's not like you're not supposed to pitch funny things. It's just that it it the story needs to be surprising and make sense mm. and come. You know, the jokes can't come out of nowhere. Um, so it was just a way of thinking about it that took a little, but you know, took some getting used to. You eventually were executive producer of Raymond, were you? Not? I was along with 17 other people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to get into how I, those, how right. titles I rose to that position just because yeah. I was around that long. Yeah. Yes. You went on to that. You were running the, uh, uh, 1600 pen. When you ended up running shows, did you do it? Did you use that experience? How much of that did you try to bring to other places or did you find yeah. that like, you know what? That worked for that group of people and that showrunner and that show, but what we're doing here is a little different. So, I mean, did well, it's that's an interesting. How did you combine them? A very interesting question, only because the next thing I did was run my first showrunning gig, which was Lucky Louie. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so I'm working with Louis C.K., who is a genius and continues to be a genius, but not back then. <laughs> well, <laughs> still back then, but just in uh, Louis C.K. could give a shit about story. And, and I mean that in the best way possible. He, he, his, where I had come from and where he was coming from, and it was his show, and, and he had a great vision for it. Um, but they, and we got along great. So it wasn't, you know, but I, I had, that was what you're saying is exactly right. I had to adjust, okay, that was one experience. Right. I have priorities that I now know are important when it comes to storytelling. But also, here's a person who has a, a, a vision that I'm trying to support. But you know? you're also coming in to run the show with him, right? Yes. Yeah. But uh, yes, and that's also you know you learn the. the so you have to bring something to it. I mean, right. like, but but you need to make that adjustment for him. Yeah, and and it was HBO, and so like he uh, he had enormous control over the show again, which is you know a good like. There's no way I'm going to come in and run a show with Louis C.K. where I'm just telling Louis C.K. what yeah. to and do. And for the for the record, <laughs> for anybody that might not know it out there, this is this you know before Louis. Yeah. On FX, Louis had a short-lived. Was it? Was it was it one just season. One? Yeah. Um, yeah. On HBO, it was their actual first stab at a sitcom. I think and their maybe. last. And, yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, wait, what are you saying about girls? <laughs> um, no, no, no. Yeah, with an with an audience. Yeah. The only, the only one they've ever shot with an audience, if I'm not mistaken. So that that's that's the one we're talking about called Lucky Louis. Yeah. Yeah. And but it was, still, with it, it was great. There were great writers there. We had a great experience, you know. And and we they actually hired us. I mean, they you know it did pretty well in the ratings even though they, I think it just didn't fit with what they thought their brand was, um, which is probably true. But um, I maintain to this day, if they, you know, they put us on Sunday nights after Entourage, which is slick and just yeah, everything right. that yeah, Lucky Louie yeah, was not. That, Lucky Louie was like a punch in the face after So that interesting show. how much that, how, how much of a difference that makes. Like, well, and that was back when still HBO Sundays was like, it still is. It's that, that it, it was their only night. Now it's their prestige night. But now they have shows all different nights of the week. They have yeah, stuff soon like featuring John Oliver. You can't see right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I maintain if they had stuck Lucky Louie on Saturday nights at 1130 or, or 12 or some just would have said, got more culty following. Yeah, sort of it just yeah. said this is Louis' thing. Let him do what he wants instead of trying to make it. You know, the next big HBO show, which is what they they kind of the way it was advertised. Yeah, and, but I know. feel like you know if you just go ahead and let Louis just have total control and do whatever he wants, it's going to be a fucking disaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, there's nothing that pleases me more than watching that show now and just yeah. go, oh man, this is exactly. If only you let him do exactly what he wanted. Yes, yes. All right, we'll exactly. come back and talk more about that with uh, Mike Royce. 
This Mike Royce character really knows how to pick him, doesn't he? First Ray Romano, then Louis C.K. He wins by proximity, if by no other measure. Quick programming note, Writer's Block will be back with a new episode Wednesday, April 16th. Not certain of the guest yet, but I'm thinking Rebecca Drysdale, who writes for Key and Peel. She's awesome. You're going to love that one. But right now, we're on episode 35. My guest is Mike Royce, executive producer of Enlisted, Fridays at 9 on Fox. Watching it is sort of like supporting our troops, but much more like supporting Mike. All right, we're back with Mike Royce. Hello. There he is. There's your proof. We're talking about uh, Lucky Louie. Was that your first real show running experience? Yes. I literally went for like Raymond finished production and I was had just started working with Louie. So I had like no time into the next situation. And was, so now you're not only writing, you're instructing people on how to write for you. And you learned a lot of that. Did you have compassion for the people who were new in the room, having uh, remembered like it wasn't all that long ago that you were in that position? Well, it was a double-sided compassion because I was learning to write for Yeah, Louis. right, right, yeah. <laughs> and then, yes, everyone else was learning to write for me and Louis. So absolutely, it's, it's um, and it was a collection of a lot of different kinds of writers. And um, it was, you know, you say it's a learning experience. It sounds like it sucked or it was bad or, you know, I think we did some really good work and it was just, it was me learning how to do a lot of the things that I saw Phil do, except also learning Phil does them a certain way on a certain show. Phil is not going to do them the same way on every single show. I'm not Phil. I remember calling Phil a couple times, practically in tears, just like, I, I, I didn't know when the director came in. I didn't know what to say. You know, like I, I called him a couple times for advice because I just didn't, I felt like, am I even, am I bringing, am I doing it? And did you know? he, I assume he hung up on you. He, <laughs> yeah. He's just that much said, of a prick. He said, I have so much money now. I don't need to talk to you ever <laughs> Listen, again. Listen, who, who is this and, and how did you get this number? <laughs> yeah. First of all, how did you get the number to my golden phone? To my, my golden, the golden phone in my Italian villa <laughs> in the middle of LA. You know, it's funny, like in Phil's, uh, um, in Phil's interview and you'll listen to it and hear it. The, uh, the end of it is great because, uh, um, because he said, uh, you know, he's so friendly and I'm like, thanks for, thanks for doing this so much. And he says, come back anytime, come back, come back anytime. <laughs> yeah. And I said, you know what? I will, I'm going to do that. I know where you live now. And <laughs> there's nothing you can do to stop me. And he says, actually there's a gate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so great. That's funny. So <laughs> you, so you, you learn those things, you bring them into this other experience and then you go on, you actually create, uh, uh, with Ray, you sit down and from scratch come up with uh, men of a certain age. Right. Now this is a situation where you're actually like developing a show from the very beginning, right. which is the only one that you've done that actually got on television at least. Yes. Right. That's the only one I've, I've tried to, well, that's not true, but, but yes. So in doing that, you bring in, you bring in your experience as a writer, uh, you know, how, how much of as you're developing characters and storylines and stuff like that, are, are, are you thinking at all about like, you know, how, how is this going to help the writing process? Is this going to make things easier? We're going to need a guy like this or a guy like that. Right. Or, you know, how much of that stuff is in your mind in that really early development stage? It was it, it, me and Ray just talking to each other literally about like, Hey, let's meet. Cause I, about being about, men of a certain age. Well, that's what it led to. Because yeah. we got together, like Ray's like, let's let's write a movie, let's like do something, you know. And he, he <laughs> yes, he, please. He, Rest he, of the interview, if you don't mind. 
<laughs> get it le- <laughs> it's not hard. Um, <laughs> it is for me, but yeah, people who can do it can do it really well. It's so funny. He, he was really in this place where it had been a year and change since Raymond, and he was chomping at the bit to do something. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, let's just, you know, and so we got together just like, let's talk about, you know, before we talked about anything we want to write a movie about, we would just bullshit. And the bullshit, of course, because just like on Seinfeld. And you were probably sitting like in a diner like the guy, the three it, guys it, do, it was, bullshitting. And you're like, this, this is a show. It, it's, it it's became, right here. this is the show. It, yeah. was, it was a sad exercise in this is the show. Because he would tell me he had, he had, you know, his kid had some anxiety problems that he was telling me about. You know, he, he was really in the shit family-wise. I just mean that like he had uh, young kids, you know, preteens, teenagers. Like he was really had everything all mm-hmm. pistons firing at that point. And he had a lot of stuff and going on. Meanwhile, we both were feeling this weird mid forties, uh, like especially we both come from these. I came from his hit show. He had a hit show, and you start to think. So I guess that's as good as it gets. Like mm-hmm. we're done. Not that we're complaining. We had a good, you know. But we both were just feeling like, boy, is this? Are we at the top of the hill, looking down the other side? And that started to morph into a bunch of, you know. Then we start talking. We're about probably his not alone thinking that i mean you know totally the truth is we were we were watching a lot of friday night lights loved it we're like we want to do a naturalistic show and ray very smartly um wanted to do something in tone much different than raymond you know not a yeah obviously not a four yeah you told me about that before yeah clearly a great idea so it was really a matter of not so much like what's going to get an audience I mean, which is good because that's sometimes when you start thinking that way, then you're in the bad area. But you shouldn't be ignorant of it either. Right. We thought to good ourselves, point. listen, this is what we want to do the show about. Let's see who's interested. You know, we're interested in cable anyway. And it's a relatable situation. Like, we think we stumbled onto, if we do it the right way, we don't want to do typical midnight midlife crisis bullshit. But here, as we were talking, came up with three characters that feel like they all have their separate journeys i hate that word but journeys and and you know what this is a relatable thing that we're going to make funny that's going to be a drama with like some funny things we think this has a shot at getting an audience like we, we weren't we weren't most of the time we were just thinking are, are people even gonna know what this is yeah i mean if if the <laughs> there are definitely shows that exist on television where the the it would appear the initial thought is will this get an audience like, right like here's an audience let's create something for that audience yes yes yeah. Men of a certain age was a completely different thing. And, it, and, and in fairness, like Ray was also in a position where he didn't necessarily have to worry about that. Look, you know, but except for the yeah. fact that he didn't want to fail. No, no. But I, I will say though, I think there are projects. I mean, look, let, let's take, you know, Louis is a good example. Louis is doing what he wants exactly. And he certainly is not worried about the audience because he has his audience that likes him doing his things. This was not like ever. We, we weren't coming at it from a point of like, well, people are going to just watch Ray, whatever he does. You know, we wanted to make it relatable. We were interested in, you yeah. know, a normal Well, then that's what the and, idea, I mean, the idea definitely, it, it intrigued me because I was a man of a certain right, age. Right, Yeah, I think TNT, when they took it over, HBO basically passed on it. Um, then there was the writer's strike and things got very confusing. But basically then TNT took it over. And to their credit, even though people blame them for canceling it, they, they were trying to do something different. And I think they were dazzled by the fact that Ray Romano is going to be in something, so we're going to get it. Annoyance. We did have a huge initial audience, and then of course it get you know it starts to whittle down, and then we had gotten to a really excellent rating. It, after six episodes, it settled, 
Uh, then there were all kinds of schedule conditions that I won't bore you with. But basically, we should, still should be on the air. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But there was some definite mishandling um, and problems uh, on just from the first season that, that took us into the toilet. I mean, it was certainly you know easily equivalent in, in, in quality and tone to a lot of shows like, like Parenthood or something like that that, are, well, thanks, that have been successful know. for years. Yeah. Like, let's just use that as an example. I brought it up because I feel like there's... So Parenthood, I don't think has as much comedy as that had as, you know, because the three guys in particular, when they get together in the Bacula characters, obviously just like this uh, cliche, almost kind of, he he starts out that way for sure. Yeah. We, we, yeah, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Right. So, so there was some more, there's more deliberate comedy in yours, but it was all organic enough that it didn't take away from the realistic feel of the, of the show and the storyline and the characters. That's what we wanted. It was, it was definitely keying off of Friday Night Lights, even though, then we immediately which i'm also a big i was on, <laughs> well the, a great the, show. the very short thing about that was like we really wanted to sort of use that their shooting style we went down to even see them film oh really because wow, they I shoot see. it like a, almost like a documentary yeah, yeah then we started shooting our show and we're like this is a comedy i mean it's not a comedy i take that back it's a drama but there's comedy in it yeah you're setting up jokes you need cameras to be in the right place you can't just go find it, it you know even i mean obviously documentary style uh, shows like the office and, and modern family. Oh, so that you've, you figured out that that filming didn't necessarily we work. We had that to really calm method, things down, yeah, right. you know, and they would also on Friday nights throw out the script a lot of the time, not throw it, but like they take a scene, take the words out, kind of just run it almost as an acting exercise and get to the truth of the scene that way. Uh-huh. And we did not, you know, again, with, with comedy, you, you just can't, you're right. Well, you can, you can throw the script down and have everybody improv, but then it's a different, it's a different kind of show. You're not telling a narrative at that right. point. It's a whole different story. We were always conscious of we never want to stretch for a joke ever. We never yeah, want to like right. put anything that a character wouldn't say. Right. And so in the beginning, I think it gets quote unquote funnier because we kind of get more uh, comfortable with what we can do as a comedy thing without compromising the show. Right. You know? Let's talk though about Enlisted, which uh, I think uh, also has that one of those things that I li- that I appreciate in a um in a in a show and that is the balance of realism and right. and screwball and a lot of that i feel like is um benefited is that right by having a, a variety of characters which are which right. in enlisted right. yeah one uh, my favorite character has become i'm sorry i don't know the names of all the like uh, the actual millions of them <laughs> it's the the real goofball skinny nerdy guy with the glasses yeah. more more because i yeah. when i emailed yeah. you i told you that that line that he did oh that's right yeah but it was all yeah. it was also in his delivery but yeah. it was the line about uh, um oh yeah he was reading a newspaper what are you reading yeah, there? A paper paper blog, paper blog? Yeah. yeah i did i don't know what that is <laughs> well <laughs> see so that, funny and you know and the thing about enlisted just in terms of what i just said about like comedies and making sure everything's in place we have a very strict stick to the script policy once we get that scripted version, you're allowed to do a little, you know, you're allowed to uh, embellish a little bit, you know. Oh, you mean in shooting the scene, in, in reshooting? So that script, that line was scripted. What are you reading there? You know, a paper blog, and then you know, and then we just said to Mort, "That's the joke," you know, because it's supposed to be very quick pop. If you want to add something after it, go right ahead. So we did like 80 takes where he added a different line after uh, it every yeah. time. And that, of course, was hilarious. You picked so, a good one. Yeah, so Thank good. You. But <laughs> that's he's he's a uh, you know he and many of those other people are masters. But the other thing is that like when you can define those characters so quickly and and find the actors who can help you do that, 
then you, I would imagine that it also just makes it that much easier to write consistently for them totally. and therefore establish them that much more as yeah. you're going along and, yeah. and separate them from each other, which is nice. Yes. That, you know, it's, you want to make sure you're even as many characters as there are, you have to be even more careful in a way of keeping their characters consistent because they can just become a joke machine, you know, where the jokes are just flying out of their mouths and doesn't matter who's who. So I think I kind of take pride in Kevin and I and the rest of the writers being able to, even as you know, there's five main characters, then there's all these other people. Yeah. That they still have these sort of distinctive characters. They're not deep yet. And if we get to a second season, we'll be able to deepen them a little bit more. But, but that they're able to, you know, each have a distinctive uh, character that they can be telling their you know, telling jokes from. Yeah, basically. and each, each of them, I don't know if each of them has, but, uh, but certainly, you know, a number of them have had their own highlights in there. I mean, the, yeah. the, the episode, the, uh, um, the one episode was, it was when he moves into the trailer. Yeah, yeah. What's it called? Pete's, Pete's Airstream. Pete's Airstream. Yeah, that was the third. Uh, was a really good episode. Thank it was a really good episode. And, uh, um, and that was one where, like, uh, um, you know, a lot of them got to... Yeah, that featured them very Yeah, very and then I think it was actually a different one where it was a more recent one where they were all... The, the two girls brought the lead woman out and got her drunk. Oh, yeah, that was that the same, was, same that, episode. Yeah, That we was were, the same episode? Oh, yeah, because then they, they had the party on top of the thing. Okay, yeah. that was a really interesting establishment of, of those two characters, their their friendship that I wasn't entirely aware of before right, that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's... um. It's a, it's kind of like a murderer's row in terms of you can give them a line, they'll nail it, and then they come up with their own Yeah, lines. it's funny because I'm like acting as if I'm picking one, and then I pick another, and then I pick <laughs> right. another because we're leaving out right. the, uh, uh, and I really sorry, I'm, I don't know how convincing I am with all this by saying, you know, that one guy and yeah, just describing them in the, like the most base terms of, that's but the, uh, um, the other guy with the mustache. <laughs> well, let's see. The other guy with the white mustache. guy with a the mustache. There's yeah, Kyle, he's kind of the crazy guy. Kyle Davis, who's kind of the resident, um, for lack of a better word, redneck character, who is also yes, he's we've set him up now to basically he's an arsonist. And then there's and then a, there's fat guy. Then there's <laughs> fat guy. I hope they're all listening to this and they'll they'll be eager to meet me. He understands that he his name is Chabowski on the show, which was <laughs> it a, is. now our cross to bear that you know. But he came. He also is so funny. Apart from the fact that he's the quote unquote fat guy, he like started he, when he came to the pilot, he started doing this sort of Shakespearean delivery. And he's got this like amazingly serious tone that is 100 percent just OK. And then also, yes, he's he's overweight and we can have our fun with, you know, in the pilot that he's probably shouldn't be in the army or whatever. But he he just delivers this character. He's Mel. Mel Rodriguez is his name. He's actually Hispanic. And we want to do this thing next year where we found out he was adopted by a Polish family. That he's actually Hispanic by a Polish family, Chabowski. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, okay. <laughs> um, that you know, because he he's so complicated. The guy is so complicated. Um, so anyway, it's it's one of those things where yes, we start out with the quote unquote fat guy, and then it becomes this sort of you know funny twist on it where he's doing all his own stuff, <laughs> right? And um, I don't know if it was um, actually that was the most recent episode where he kept getting hurt. They were doing yes, the, yeah, yes. that was, and it was just. He was relegated to that same joke the whole way right. through, but it was funny yes. each time. Well, that was part of the reason for that was he is on another show called Getting On on HBO, which is a really great show. Uh, and I think it's coming back, actually. Um, anyway, we had to share him. So we had to shoot 
a story where he had to be like in for three. So he had one day with him. Yeah. So he that's basically why we made him get hurt because he could God, shoot everything really, in one day. That's really interesting. You but know. you wanted you want to keep him in it because he's part of the group, and yes. for him to not be there doesn't make any sense. So and that was the first it's just that one. He kept we getting shot. injured and had to go away, and then come back and get re-injured and go away again. Right. Right. That's great. I mean, yeah. that's like. When you were sitting around, you knew that you were in this situation, so you could only use him a certain way. Yeah. And then that's the idea that you came up with. We'll just have him pop in, get yeah. hurt, have to go away. <laughs> right. As soon as he comes back, having recovered, he gets hurt, has to go away. That's right. So I don't know if you came up with that, somebody else pitched that to you, but when it happened, were you like, this is, that's perfect. It, that's great. It happened in that we, we weren't able to use him, and we're then at one point that was going to be the second episode, and we're like, we can't have him just disappear for the second episode. So let's figure out a way to get him in there, even though he's not going to be available. So it turned out, you know, lemons into lemonade because it turned out to be a great running joke. Yeah. And we were able to shoot it to all his stuff later, basically. Right. You know, right. Nice. Mike Royce. It's really good to see him. I'm like, glad well. you can make it out. It's, uh, I hope uh, I find my way home. I know. I have no right? idea where I am. You're on the <laughs> disputed border of Los Angeles and Glendale, <laughs> or as Siri calls it, Glendale. <laughs> and Burbank. Burbank is my favorite on the Burbank. I'm listening to the maps in my ears as I'm going around here because yeah. I have to drive everywhere and I don't know where the hell I am. Siri, no Burbank. Yeah. Get on CA 110 North towards Burbank. <laughs> Wait, did what did you say? What was that? Where the hell am I? <laughs> It's great to have you. I really this appreciate it. Mike Royce, executive producer of uh, Enlisted on Fox, 9 o'clock on Fridays. Uh, if you're not around 9 o'clock on Fridays, you have a DVR, learn how to use the fucking thing, or a TiVo, I don't know. It's worth checking out. This is a really strong show, and uh, I hope that it continues on and perhaps even gets moved to uh, a, a slightly more preferable night where you might get a little, be able to get a little more attention just because of that yes. alone. But um, here's, I'm here's glad it's hope. doing good in the spot that it has. Wherever, right? as long as it continues, I don't care where it is. Yes. Thank you. And if it doesn't, you will continue. You've done well in most of the things that you've done. It's it's fun. It's fun. Yes. Fun. I, fun to follow you. I have no complaints. It's fun to stalk you <laughs> and to finally get you here in my lair. We're not taping right now. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> my plan has finally come true. Let my wife know I'll be late. All right. I'll do that. <laughs> All right. Good night, Mike. Say, right, say good. Wait, what do I say? How do I end this? I haven't done it in so long. <laughs> Fuck it up. Is there a... No, no, no. I say, say, say goodnight, Mike. Goodnight, Mike. <laughs> Is that, am I supposed to, am I playing no, along? No, no, yeah, you are. Yeah. You just, you just did. It's just usually I'm more slick with it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the other person might screw up or not. And then I give them a hard time. Oh. Because they don't do the Gracie Allen line. But in this case. I'm old, I've so I've proven I know. to be the idiot. <laughs> All right, sir. I'll see you around. Thank you. Sort of lost my way there. It happens. This was actually the first episode I had taped in like two months. No thanks to Christmas. But I honestly forgot how I closed the show, so... A little behind-the-scenes look at how much of an idiot I can truly be. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks to Mike. Thanks to my producer, David Klatt. My man, Friday, Willie Orbison. My wife and kids. My other wife and kids in Canada. Shh. And of course, thanks to you, the Blockheads, for listening and hopefully learning a thing or two and perhaps having a laugh and sharing a beer and... Wait, are you drinking right now? You should probably put that down. There you go. You've done the right thing. Say goodnight, blackheads. Mm-hmm.